Hello and welcome to another episode of Radio Oedipus, the podcast where we explore the culture of beer. And I'm your host, Danny Walker. We're back after a couple of weeks holiday and I'm excited for what we've got coming up. If you're new to the show, you can catch up with all the shows by heading to our website, oedipus.com forward slash radio. There you'll find all previous episodes of the podcast, as well as some special guest mixes made by some of our resident DJs. So please check them out. On to today's show, around the table we have Victor Brangolo, lead designer here at Oedipus, and our guests are Art and Paul from Valhalla Craft Beer. Valhalla are our neighbours here in Amsterdam North and make some exceptional hot forward beers. Art is the founder and head brewer at Valhalla and Paul joined the team slightly later. Together with Victor we discussed how it all began, some of those goals, how they developed their beers and we also deep dive into mythology. All that on today's episode of the Radio Oedipus podcast. All right, hello and welcome to another episode of Radio Oedipus. Ladies and gentlemen, we're back after a short break, a short holiday. I'm back. I'm happy to be back in the hot seat and I am joined by Victor Brangolo. How are you today, mate? Hello, Danny. I'm very good and I'm also back from holiday and that will be the first show in a long time for me. So I'm a bit uh, new again and I'm really happy to be here. Yeah, there's a couple of cobwebs we're having to pull off, I think, here, uh, but hopefully... We'll get warmed up and uh, we'll get into it. But today we're joined by Art and Paul from Valhalla Craft Beer. How are you both? I'm fine. And Paul? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Good, good. Now, Art, we are, of course, neighbours. I have a quick question to kick off. Do you know how many metres it is from Valhalla Taproom to Oedipus Taproom? Oh, is that part of the quiz? No, no, the quiz, com- the quiz comes later. But this is this is just a bit of an icebreaker. Uh, Let's see. Have you ever thought about how it's really close? But I think it I was. Would, I would have to guess. Uh, it was fifty it was, meters. One hundred fifty. Paul, have you got a higher, um, higher or lower than one hundred fifty? I'm, I'm gonna go one hundred and thirty-five <laughs> steps. Steps. Okay. okay. Yeah. So steps, and we're gonna have to. Maybe that is just about one hundred and fifty meters. Let's say steps, or is that? No, no steps, steps is smaller. Steps is smaller. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right, Victor, your guess. Well, I wrote it once. I remember it has was printed once, but uh, I cannot tell the answer. I have it right in front of my eyes. Oh, yeah, but I let you. I let you. All right, give it. it's two hundred and ten meters. Mm, okay, two hundred and ten. Yeah. Three minute walk, apparently, according to Google Maps. Yeah. We are a bit spoilt for choice, I think, here on the on the Hammer Canal. We should really set up the Amsterdam North uh, pub crawl, I think. That would be a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. Now, uh, Paul, we know what's in your fridge. I think you made a lot of our uh, listeners jealous with your living room set up. How's it, how's it going in the living room? Much drinking recently? Um, the drinking's pretty steady. Uh, I still have the lager and porter going, so no yeah. new beer yet. I'm really draft, right? On draft, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm really trying to put a big effort into the lager because I have this um, saison that's been sitting on bread for about eight months now, and I'm I'm trying to still put it on while summer is with us for maybe a few weeks. So, so you need to yeah. up your drinking consumption. Is that yeah. what you're saying? But. I haven't been hosting that many people and generally I like to break out the tap when you're hosting and you can just pour a few beers at once. Mm-hmm. Uh, it always feels like a bit extra work to actually just pour one glass of beer and then flush it through and everything. So, yeah. yeah. The amount of cleaning, is it worth one good pint? Who knows? Yeah. 
Um, and you are, you've you've expressed that you're a fan of the show, so it's great to have you on the show. Is there any uh, standout episodes that you've enjoyed? Um, well, it was really interesting to hear the guys from Butcher's Tears, of course, yeah. uh, argue about beer styles. That was very enjoyable. Yeah. Um, I also liked the pretty recent episode with uh, Rick Kempen. Um, yeah, of course. Just yeah. a lot of interesting statements being made about today's beer scene, and he's uh, got opinions, huh? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, but but it's also nice that you have a few guests on who actually are from other backgrounds. So you you know it's not all just um, beer people talking amongst themselves, but you also have some people from the art scene. And uh, that's what we do. That's yeah. what we're trying to do. Well, so thanks for listening, and uh, it's a pleasure to have you behind the microphone this time. Um, so let's kick it off. We're going to talk about a beer. So uh, if you wouldn't mind cracking open that uh, tall boy can over there, guys. Please do. Uh, If you wouldn't mind pouring me one, that'd be great. So the beer I brought to the table today is... One second, Danny. Yeah, there we go. Beautiful singing. Hold on. One by one, nice. It's like an orchestra of... That was pretty on time. So yeah, what we've got uh, around the table today Mm. is Aperitif by De Moorslotel. My pronunciation is correct. And this, so this is one of the four beers that they've released as part of their four-year anniversary. And this is the one that is a sour ale. I think it's a four berries as well. Four, four, four. The label know, quadruple. says 7% uh, ABV. Quadruple berry sour ale. Ooh. With uh, strawberry, raspberry, blueberry, blackberry and vanilla. Okay, okay. No lactose, I think. No. So no. it shouldn't be sweet. No, or... no. Let's have a sip. Okay, cool. Definitely berry uh, aroma, I get, obviously. Mm-hmm. Thick red color, eh, Victor? Yes, in that sense, the color is uh, yeah, it's rich. It uh, looks like smashed strawberry, like really a strawberry color. Quite dark. Yeah, or strawberry jam. Uh, yeah. Don't we have this drink, Carvon Savitum? I never see it anymore, but it's uh, a bit like that as well. It's like a fruit a syrup lemonade, that yeah. you add. Oh, is it a beer or is it just no, like a lemonade, syrup? Oh, is it? Syrup, yeah, yeah, it's a kid's ah. drink, basically. Oh, really? But then... Yeah, same color. Yeah, I get a, a, lot, of, uh, a lot of strawberry and mm. a lot of vanilla. Yeah, I find it sweet somehow, not yeah. so sour. Of, I mean, not sour in what it could uh, evoke first. Yeah, the label doesn't, ingredients does, don't include uh, lactose, so probably it's not there, but it is it, it is a bit sweet. Yeah, I, think I wouldn't be surprised if someone said it's with a bit of uh, lactose, like milk sugar, mm-hmm. uh, but... Maybe the vanilla gives this uh, sweet flavor. Mm. Mm. So I've, I uh, I drink quite some more Slotel beers. Yeah, yeah. It's like one of the breweries I find interesting. We're kind of like a bit like Haze Boys. Like we like uh, juicy New England IPAs. Yeah. And they're one of the few breweries in Holland that really do that. Uh, also, their big stouts are... Uh, well, well known. Uh, so usually they're actually kind of a two-style brewery, like they do IPAs, hazy IPAs, mm-hmm. and big stouts or big barley wines, yeah, they, like and like imperial mm-hmm. stouts and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, don't yeah. They? yeah. So either big multi beers or uh, 
really hop forward uh, new style IPAs. So when I saw that they released uh, a kettle sour, uh, a fruit sour, I was like, oh, I need to taste that beer. But this that was like a month ago and I never picked it up from the bottle shop, so I'm glad you brought it. Yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad <laughs> it was it. on my wish list. Really, really like, uh, yeah, cementing my choice there. But is this, this is like maybe a beer style that's a bit against their grain then, would you say? Since you they, know their styles quite well. They do sour beers, but they release them under a different name, right? They also have Zomerdijk. Yeah, but that's, that's, blending. yeah that's the mixed fermentation thing. Yeah, yeah okay. So that's... Like a Maybe not all listeners like know the distinction, but like yeah, you've got mixed fermentation beers, like wild bratty beers that usually take a long time to brew. And then you've got what some people call the shortcut, uh, which is kettle souring. Yeah. And that's like Berliner Weiss uh, goes uh, um, also what we do uh, sometimes uh, with like uh, raspberry sour beer. So uh, that's like a quick way of brewing a sour beer. So this this is uh, this is that type of beer. So I think it fits. I think it would really fit like in their thing next to the stouts and IPAs. Yeah, mm. but also I think compared to a lot of the other beers they brew which are very in your face, they mm. will grab your attention in one way or another yeah. with extreme flavors. This one tastes fairly restrained to me as well. It's still um, it's pretty accessible. Yeah. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I would serve anyone their 12% barrel-aged stouts <laughs> when they've never had anything from the Moorsleutel before. But uh, Nice. Yeah, the other beers in the Four Seasons, if I, rem- I don't remember off the top of my head, but one is an Imperial Russian stout, I think. Then one is way more hoppy. It's more of an IPA. I think, that if I'm guessing right, it's running on this uh, theme of four. So I think they use a combination of four hops. Uh, and then the f- and then the fourth one I, I don't remember, but yeah, uh, is it also run by four guys as well? Yeah, I think the the here it says Vertigo Zodiac on the label, so yeah. I think like for each brother they took uh, their uh, uh, stereo build of their uh, Zodiac sign, mm, Zodiac sign, yeah. Okay, and uh, use that on the label. So I think it's uh, it's, it's four brothers, and funny thing. Uh, their dad has a brewery. Mm-hmm. So I knew their dad from some years ago uh, at the beer festivals. Mm-hmm. He had a, a brewery called Vriendenbier, friends beer. And uh, yeah, so at some point his son started brewing and he was, he was brewing like tradition, traditional styles like blonde, triple, double, yeah. white, or maybe luxury. And his son's uh, clearly from, from another generation, started brewing uh, 11, 12% ABV stouts yeah. on his kit. Started the Moorsleutel thing. And I'm, I'm not completely sure, but I think that the, like the, the Vriendenbeer doesn't exist really anymore. No, and now well, it's more I than I think the whole, the whole family is mobilized around the Moorsleutel. I know, I think their mum runs the web shop, which is really extensive, I discovered. Right. So they, yeah. they, they sell lots of beers from other breweries as well. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, and the dad. I've seen the dad at quite a few festivals. Mm. So I think, I think he's days. still active in the brewery, but yeah. I'm guessing sort of, but I don't know. It's a funny story. Like dad has a brewery and the, the son starts doing like a modern... Uh, Totally different beers mm-hmm. on their kits and uh, yeah, I did, I and become really popular, you know. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, mm. I think it's re- they sound like they have a really good kind of ethic behind them. From what I was reading about them as well, because yeah, I read this that their dad was the uh, one that got them into beer, so they, they were always had beer and big flavors in their life. But then there's also one of them that has more of a technical background, so they like to mm-hmm. help out a lot more with uh, maybe brewers starting out and things. And they also like, yeah, on their website, they had this big tap list of all the different breweries. So it's obvious that they really want to be, it's more than just a brewery. They're kind of wanting to help and be a bit of a flagship for craft beer as well, which is really cool. They sound like really, uh, like a really nice setup. Yeah. One of the brothers is uh, a kind of technician, like support technician for the canning lines. Yeah. So there's one brand of canning lines and they, uh, Sort of, I think they hired him to uh, visit breweries that experience technical problems with uh, their canning machines. So, um, uh, yeah, these these guys know how to uh, fix stuff. And uh, well, they call themselves the beer engineers. So, uh, oh wow, yeah. I guess that's quite fitting. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, I also have to say, I really like the can art on the whole uh, four years anniversary series. It's yeah. really nice. They all kind of fit together as a gallery or that was the aim mm-hmm. um whereas a lot of the other more subtle cans i haven't quite uh, discovered a theme yet every can is sort of stands alone yeah. in its artwork i think yeah. they have one where you basically see a man eat a croquette that he just bought at the fable yeah. wow yeah. <laughs> what the hell that beer yeah. is called uh, Good that eating you meat from the wall uh, that was my interest for I, obviously for I the thought design that would segue yeah, nicely yeah. into victor's uh, yeah definitely no but also the fact that the label has a bit of a mirroring effect so if you cut cut half of it it's the same part on left side so there's a bit of this idea of a balance probably there or you know like the exact uh, equilibrium between flavor and uh, and a mouthfeel maybe that's a bit the idea was there virgo uh, i don't know it feel, like it's it's a mirror you see but what is the what mm. is the what, it's a lady on the front right what yeah. what was that virgo is virgin right yeah. yeah virgo is virgin so that's a lady she's a Young but, but you said it's one of their uh, zodiac sign of one yeah. of the brothers that's what i read on ah. social media ah. Yeah, because it's, uh, yeah, it, for me, it feels more like uh, balance, like balancing than a virgin itself. But yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's the colors function quite well. I think the blue is a bit too present, maybe. The, the blue, what is too the blue. The blue, the blue okay. feels too present over the general pinkish and um, let's say berry world. The blue feels a bit too present, but that's my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Cool. <laughs> Thanks as always for your opinion, Victor. All right. Well, cool. We'll uh, we'll keep on drinking that while we move on through. It is like we said. It is released as uh, yeah as a celebration of their fourth birthday. So buy the beer and help them celebrate their birthday. You can also. I think they're. I don't know when it is, but they're having a party soon at their tap room, which is called In uh, the scrapyard. The, the scrapyard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah. So check it out. Congrats. 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 Four years. Yeah. Exactly.
All right, so we're going to now switch the attention to you guys a little bit, if that's okay. So Art, Art and Paul, let's start at the beginning. How and when did Valhalla first start out? So that's uh, end of 2015, uh, when I, well, uh, made up the name for Valhalla, made up the 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 idea about uh, uh, well, I, I got in touch with uh, our uh, designer Vincent, um, and I started to plan everything. And actually, I started uh, brewing the first beers uh, December 15. So uh, February 16, we released. Uh, well, I released the first two beers. Mm. I was. Uh, on my own then. Uh, also, it was contract brewing, so a uh, bit easier on your own to uh, uh, to contract brew than really run a brewery. Uh, so, yeah, that, that was the start to uh, uh, a session and a double IPA. And, um, yeah, uh, I already made some... Uh, before that, I had already made, like, an attempt uh, in the craft beer uh, professional world, uh, but this was uh, this this was my uh, serious attempt because the, with the first one I thought uh, it was more like a hobby mm-hmm. turned into something bit official. But yeah, with Walala, I knew like this is this is this is my dream. This is gonna be me for the next uh, so many years. Uh, and I went all in, like yeah, yeah. all my all my time, all my, all my money, all my attention, all my focus. I uh, went into uh, yeah, uh, creating this uh, uh, little business uh, for making uh, pleasant beers. <laughs> now, correct me, correct me if I'm wrong, but the you were making the beers you're talking about before was at Brauerider Friendschap? Yeah. The friendship, Friendschap. yeah? Yeah, the Friendschap. So that translates to friendship. Yeah. And that focused on maybe more, shall we say, like traditional style beers? Yeah, a bit, bit in between. We did okay. uh, we did an American Pale Ale, okay. like with Amarillo hops, which was kind of hot, you know, in 2014. And some hoppy some stuff, but... Uh, also, we did uh, a saison and a triple, and yeah, it was it was a bit. Uh, it wasn't drastic modern or something. It was it was, it was a bit a bit in between. Yeah, but w- with Valhalla, it was definitely. Would you say more of an attempt to focus on more crad- modern craft beer styles, like really hop forward beers, like we all know and love. Valhalla is all about. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think there was. Uh, yeah, maybe also. Like the, the 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 first beer brand I started or brewery I started was with uh, with a friend and yeah of course we had different opinions different ideas about uh, beer um, and a lot of similar ideas of course uh, which worked but uh, when I started uh, Valhalla I was on my own and I could decide whatever the bleep I wanted yeah. <laughs> and uh, without having to discuss it with someone else, you know, so uh, I was like, I'm going to release a core range double IPA. And not many people did that. And also, 
uh, you know, the beer scene, uh, there so many breweries started in 2013, 14, 15. So I was uh, like, I was there when Oedipus started, mm -hmm. Two Chef started, Butchester started, um, uh, a couple of others, um, also a few that already quit, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, but yeah, when I started Walhalla, there were so many breweries around that I felt like, oh, I have to stand out with the labels. I have to stand out with maybe a style that not everybody brews, like a double IPA. So um, yeah, just to get noticed and uh, not uh, like, yeah, to succeed and, and get a, a good start. And, and to have your own brewery as well? Yeah, so that was the, that was, that was the dream, uh, but... I didn't want to um, like borrow everyone's money and start yeah. start a brewery without without uh, yeah from scratch, you know. So so the plan was just to contract brew for uh, a certain period to, to get the beer out there, to get the brand uh, kind of started and uh work towards the point of having my own brewery and my own tap room that was always the idea like i want a brewery tap room next to it that's 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 the perfect craft beer picture you know like yeah definitely you can drink the beer look at the ta the beer tanks and know like oh it's only traveled 10 meters yeah definitely. it hasn't traveled all over the world or whatever yeah definitely and paul uh, at what point did you get involved well, I was living in Oslo in Norway um, when I first heard about Valhalla. And I remember this was posted somewhere on Facebook. I was um, in between jobs, as they call it. Um, and I was homebrewing a lot at that time because I very quickly discovered when I moved to Norway that... Um, the beer there is criminally expensive. In no way, is it? <laughs> oh, definitely. Uh, you know, like, you drink from a skull, right? So that's why it's expensive, no? <laughs> uh, more or less, yeah. Now it's a uh, beer. Beer is heavily taxed and uh, regulated as well. So uh, the window to buy beer in a shop is limited to you know certain hours of the day, and then the shutters come down over the fridge. Yeah, um, feels it's very almost sort of illegal. Almost illegal, yeah. yeah making it's, it's very, such a um, taboo to drink beer. <laughs> and yet the drinking behavior of people, I would argue, is affected in a negative way. I think I saw more binge drinking behavior over there than I do here in the Netherlands, where it's quite liberal. Um, but yeah, I came across this uh, this post that was basically saying, you know, Art started this brewery, uh, Valhalla, and, um, you know, he's a bit in over his head. He can't handle it anymore all, all on his own there's right okay other there's some other beer being poured already i can't keep up yes <laughs> <laughs> um so uh so i saw this post and not really having tasted the beer before and not living in the netherlands at the time i just my my first instinct was just to pick up the phone and call this guy because i had a feeling you know there has to be a good first sort of impression both ways to even make it worth it so yeah. we spoke on the phone a bit about beer um and everything and then yeah, I applied and, and not long after I moved back to the Netherlands and started working initially mainly with driving distribution around the city and doing some festivals. And, you know, we were then still at a much smaller location than we are now. We were just 
a warehouse with the contract brewed beer uh, with a little uh, small, tiny office on top of it. Yeah, and and I mean, I kind of I've seen my role grow as the brewery grew as well. So I feel like at this point, um, I'm kind of the the second one in the company who is responsible for a lot of the day to day. Uh, administration and and a lot of other things and when art is on holiday i kind of have to uh take that responsibility um, step up exactly step but that's up, yeah. uh you know that's that's been really nice actually to go through that process and yeah. and to just uh sort of see us grow and our team expand yeah for sure mm. now did you have some when you first when you got your brewery and everything did you have some like initial goals or was it mainly just to have your own brewery with a tap room or did you have some other initial goals that you wanted to do it's my it's my goal to be uh one of the top breweries in this country right okay so i'm ambitious you know nice like, I'm, I'm not saying we're there or or close to it or whatever but that's the goal like uh taste is different between people and some people won't like the styles we brew but i think for the people that like the styles we brew we should be one of, we aim to be one of their top 10 breweries, you know? So that, that's what I uh, intend. And, um, you know, I, I did a lot of uh, home brewing and then uh, started doing the contract brewing thing. And with contract brewing, it's uh, sometimes really frustrating because uh, you're not there all the time, you know? You, yeah. you visit and you, you 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 throw some hops in the kettle, but you're not really in control of the total process, like fermentation, lagering, packaging. Mm -hmm. And um, so I knew, like, when I've got my own brewery, I can brew uh, the beers better, especially certain styles. Like, uh, we don't contract brew uh, dry up beers anymore because how we set it up and how we um, progressed our knowledge in brewing. Uh, yeah, we can do it better ourselves now. And, we're, and so that was that was one of the goals to have uh, more way more control over the beer, mm -hmm. uh, do stuff that a contract brewery maybe doesn't like to bother with because it's not standard procedure or something. Mm -hmm. So, um, and yeah, it, it it took some time because uh, at first the brewery was not like perfect. We had to uh, learn a lot, but I think at the moment, um, yeah, a lot of the beers we release, I'm super happy about and proud of. Are you still outsourcing a lot of your production? Um, I think uh, like 30%. Yeah. 25-30% of our volume is uh, contract brewed. So it's really easily recognized for, recognizable for people actually because uh, the contract brewed beer is in bottles, mm -hmm. whereas all uh, cans and all kegs are produced here in Amsterdam. Okay, cool. And so uh, also the, the barrel-aged uh, beers we, we contract and then sell in the, at the brewery Mm -hmm. uh called Hüttenklaus. it's almost at the german border we went there today 
Um, long drive. <laughs> yeah, they, they have this nice, they, they have way more space than we do here in Amsterdam. And uh, yeah, they have this real, this basement that really smells like a basement as well. The dungeon. The dungeon but, where mm, they... Uh, even more medieval. Mm, yeah. yeah. Very good. And uh, yeah, there we, we can easily store the beer and it's in no one's way. And it's very nice. Uh, the temperature is really even, which is very important for yeah. for barrel aging. So. Yeah, we've got this a uh, lot of bourbon barrels, a lot of Scotch uh, whiskey barrels mm -hmm. sitting there with uh, Imperial Stout, barley wine, uh, the double buck beer. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we had we had a taste today. Now we mentioned we've got we're joined by Victor today, and you know he's our in-house designer, and uh, we're quite curious. Uh, I'm, I'm quite curious what his opinion is because a lot all your beer concepts are based around gods and mythology. So who comes up with that and who makes those decisions? I think you already said it earlier that um, you, you, you said, came up with the... Sorry, Danny. But you said you had right from the start the idea of the name and you knew the illustrator, which is a bit similar to what happened in Oedipus. So I'm really curious of all of the backstory behind that. Uh -huh. uh, okay, for for the name and the, and the team... Um, I'm really into fantasy, uh, sci-fi uh, stuff, and also really into like history. Uh, as a kid, I was fascinated by the Egyptians and the pharaohs and building the pyramids and and uh, uh, you know those old uh, civilizations. Mm -hmm. Uh, and that's really like a lot of fantasy writers get inspired by old mythology, like the creatures and the gods and the superpowers and stuff, you know, like mm -hmm. it's kind of connected. So that's, that's kind of where I got this, um, that was the first thought, like I want to do something in that direction, you know? And then I was reading this, uh, book, Extreme Brewing, um, it's called Extreme Brewing, right? The homebrew book, Radical Brewing. Oh, Radical Brewing, yeah. Randy yeah. Mosher. Randy Mosher, and uh, so in the in the in the introduction, he was I don't know, he he, he's, he he was like poetically talking about all kinds of people around the world brewing beer uh, in history, and uh, about Valkyrs sitting in Valhalla, and 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 Vikings drinking meat and beer, and then. I don't know, I read the word Valhalla, I was like, yeah, that's that's the name. Ah, because I heard somewhere that the beer Valhalla was maybe a craft beer term, or I don't know, like, like, like the best place to drink beer would be called a beer Valhalla. Yeah, you yeah. could, it's, it's, a, it's a saying like... In Dutch, if we call something the Valhalla of X, yeah. it mm. just means the best thing possible. The so best of that. Basically yeah. talk yeah. about the, yeah, the Valhalla of art. If you speak about a fantastic museum or, um, yeah. So in, in that way, there's the ambition is almost contained in the name a little bit. Yeah, because yeah, we nice. claim to make like yeah. heavenly bears. Yeah. <laughs> because I find it very good that you also explore other mythology than mm -hmm. the Nordic. It's very popular and I know, understand why. But of course, I can see you have some Assyrian and uh, South American mythology. Yeah. So, which are gods which you may not know necessarily, and they all mean something. So, I'm always curious about uh, which god then, which drinks fits which god. How do you decide on that? And also, 
for the art style. So working with, with Vincent. So can you explain us yeah. a bit how do you create? Yeah, so uh, my wife's best friend is working in, I uh, think, marketing or advertising as a copywriter. And so I spoke with her about this whole concept and uh, she said like, oh, and I know some some people that can make uh, beautiful labels or illustrations. And so I met this guy uh, and uh, talked for hours uh, in the beer temple about my plans. And then he said like, and I showed him some mood board. I was also really into comics. So in my mood board at some uh, comic stuff I knew. And um, he said like, oh yeah, you know, I've got a brother and he's, his style really fits with your mood board. So then the next meeting was with his brother, who is Vincent Sabto. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, he was super enthusiastic about the idea to... Uh, not only make our house style, so the, he made the logo, mm -hmm. but also to make the whole range with all the beers. And I, I told him, like from the start, like I'm not gonna brew three beers and and just brew them yeah. forever. I'm gonna release a lot of beers. Yeah. And he was like, okay, so you need a lot of labels. I'm like, yeah, we need a shit ton of labels. It needs to be ongoing, kind of thing. Yeah, like yeah. Yeah. Mont Olympus of yeah. beer, basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, and it was uh, from the, the first two beers we brewed were already gods, not from the Norse mythology. <laughs> so uh, I really liked the, the name Valhalla and its meaning as uh, like the perfect place in the afterlife. So it's not for everyone. It's like this exclusive part of which afterlife. happens to be a drinking hall. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> so that that fits. That's where I'd like to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and um, but from the start, we decided um, like it shouldn't be just Norse gods. We're gonna use gods from all over the world. They're gonna be together in this afterlife thing, and uh, they're gonna wish us the best drinks. Yeah, they all eat at the same cantina. We all know that yeah. at mm -hmm. the end, mm -hmm. and. Um, uh, the creation of the style, like uh, you mean the, the the how it looks. I uh, I think the the drawings and illustration are very detailed, very fine. So is it something you want, or is it really Vincent's style and you together sort of uh, uh, created that? Yeah. So um, I think what is, his style is his style. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. Um, try to change that or, or, or whatever. But, you know, I have ideas about what, uh, you know, when, when the label is on, on the can or on the bottle, what it should communicate, mm -hmm. let's say. You know, so uh, sometimes the name of the beer is on the back or, or really small or I'm going to say like, oh, please change that because I want people to see on the shelf that it's this type of beer and not that they have to read the back label or what kind of beer is it so um so yeah i talk with him he comes up with uh 
with the design and sometimes uh, a lot of times I say cool let's go to the printer <laughs> and sometimes I say like oh, can you please change it a little bit like that it's a little and, bit too hectic yeah or maybe I don't know we have sometimes a little discussion uh, and a lot of times before he starts drawing we have uh, we have a mood board together where mm. we collect some pictures from either that god Usually, I do you select the god first? Yeah, then? yeah, yeah. Okay, that's, that's you've named the beer, so you are the gods. You are the gods selecting I'm, the I'm other the, gods. I'm the connection with the afterlife with the gods. <laughs> yeah, you're the one with the list. The medium. The yeah, yeah. And uh, so I, I select, I select them, um, and then we start talking about, uh, you know, if. This this guy is from the Nabu is from yeah. the, from the Middle East desert, so I was like, yeah, he could be in a desert with some. I don't know. We 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 do a lot of uh, the mood board includes a lot of stuff that never never makes it into the label, but mm. it sets well, a little bit of a mood, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to uh, get some inspiration off. And the funny thing is, he always selects some uh, famous uh, Hollywood movie stars, you know, like, mm. so he selects, I don't know, whoever, some uh, some famous guy or some uh, comedian. James Dean. Yeah. Oh, okay. So he tries to put a bit more yeah. of a, a real person in there as well. Yeah. Uh, it's more okay. about the expression of the face, you know, like, ah, is, that's is it cool. like a cheeky fellow or is it like a really cool guy? Is more, uh, I don't know... Um, so yeah, it gets like uses like the, the the form of the cheekbones of this actress from Alien. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's so. pretty cool. I think yeah, that really adds a personality behind this. Uh, it, it's this good that character. you are modernizing also these gods' uh, representation because Loki is he looks like a guy getting an extra drink in a club. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, he looks very. Uh, like you want to talk to him, but at the same time, you're like, who is he? Re like, what's yeah. going to happen? <laughs> Which I think is, it's a very good uh, tweak on the old God uh, because it could have been very, uh, yeah, it could have been expressed in a much more traditional way. Yeah. It's very fierce gods being uh, scary or anything, but yeah. they always have a sort of a, a side of this, like yeah. this uh, Nabu is reading, but he really looks like, uh, yeah, it's mostly uh, yeah having a good time. You know, he doesn't feel so scary at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he uh, he's a bit of a beach bum, right? Like, uh, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm getting a bit of the Lebowski, the yeah, dude. Yeah, definitely. The, yeah, yeah Lebowski, definitely a bit of the it. dude. Yeah. yeah. But also, what's good with uh, like a primordial gods is they have in general in their story personalities, so they are yeah. not always not always good or bad. They always have a sort mm -hmm. of a double edge which yeah. is you can develop and explore even yeah. more and then for the bad we have the demons yeah you have the demons yeah you have Lilith in one yeah. of your uh, yeah she looks very kill bill moment when she slashes everyone she's like yeah. a hit woman right yeah yeah, yeah. from the future yeah she I looks mean. like this kind of a fierce assassin yeah. mm -hmm. uh, femme, femme fatale femme fatale exactly yeah. It's always a bit of a magical moment when Vincent delivers his artwork because, I mean, we're not really part of his process. Mm -hmm. He doesn't keep us up to date asking, you know, should Naboo, should it be more orange or should I maybe go for something purple? So, you know, when the, when he sends us that first uh, that first illustration and we always kind of have this wow moment and yeah. say like, oh, it reminds me of this and that. And um, 
yeah, it's it's always really cool. It's one of my favorite moments in the yeah, yeah. in yeah. the job. And I'm 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 like, oh, oh come, Paul, check, come. Email, yeah, yeah. We've got an email from Vincent yeah, with, yeah. Uh, with the design. Oh, great! But um, but but I also think uh, if you look at our bottle art, I do. Um, it's really like a gallery. All the gods are sort of drawn from the same perspective, very sort of frontal and if you put them next together you you know they there is some a lot mm. of similarity in um the perspective whereas with the cans i think mm. vincent has become a bit more free and yeah. uh it's it's a different canvas as well a can is much wider um so yeah. i think it's allowed him to try some other things mm. as well that's what gets me about your uh, the cans and and your artwork in general that i've seen is that it must be a credit to Vincent because there's so much depth to it, really. It's more than just like an, an icon. It's not not just a god that is really more of like a comic book. Like you must you must give him the right things to, on the mood board. It has so much depth to it. Yeah. So maybe in the future we can either make little comics about these gods Definitely. and their adventures yeah, or some little animation stuff. No, but the, the theme also runs into your tap room as well, because I know yeah. it also kind of feels a bit like a, almost like a medieval kind of drinking uh, hole, you know? It, yeah, it's, medieval meets industrial. Yeah, 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 right? yeah, yeah, definitely. But there's a lot of wood and you have like some swords as well, I've yeah. seen. Yeah, yeah. Got axes, yeah. shields. All, all firmly yeah. attached, so <laughs> no, no bar fights. Yeah, and no, and, uh, no drunken escalate. customers. Yeah, Vincent made some nice uh, paintings, like uh, different imagery of the same gods, and uh, they're on the walls of the tap room. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, a lot of wood. So that w- that was kind of uh, my idea to uh, uh, get it more into that vibe. Yeah. Mm. So what are we dr- what are we drinking here? Expl- tell me a little bit about this bit of the the Oxo Moco. The Oxo Moco. Oh, maybe you tell. Well, yeah, Oxo Moco is the latest special that came out of her brewery. I say I don't recognize it, so I thought it might be new. Yeah, yeah, it came out uh, last week and a half ago. Yeah. Um, we it's a double IPA uh, that's double dry hop. If you want some. Um, with a relatively new hop variety uh, called Idaho Seven. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's it's one of those uh, hop varieties that comes from the American breeding programs and has become quite popular in a short amount of time, uh, especially for using in these you know very uh, intensely dry hop beers like New England IPAs. Although this is a is a clear beer, it's not hazy. I was going to say it's also re- quite for a double IPA. In my opinion, quite crisp and light. You know, mm-hmm. is that something that you would get from the Idaho Seven or um, dry hopping? It's, is it? It's some. It it's definitely on purpose to keep this double IPA drinkable. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah. and it's summer, so it's a it bit needs, dangerous. Actually, it's a bit dangerous beer. <laughs> At the release, I had two, and then I felt like it didn't contain alcohol, and then I stood up and I was like, "Oh, it does." <laughs> but. Um, yeah, well, well, it's not really the hops that make it uh, crisp and drinkable. It's just that more like we use only um, the palest uh, uh, malt, so no caramel malts, no Munich malts, uh, which keep it really light in the body. And we, yeah, we use a quite standard West Coast uh, ill yeast, which really dries it out. It ferments most of the sugars we put in. 
So in the end, it's uh, it's 8.5 ABV beer that's still quite drinkable. Mm-hmm. Nice. Like, and uh, one one more note on the hops is that uh, we used both the normal hop pellets, so the ones that are just um, compressed from from hop flowers, but we also used the cryo version. And cryo is uh, an extra processed type of hop where they really only take the lupulin power mm-hmm. powder and squish it together and um, Actually, when you see it, the product before it goes into the tank, it's almost like hash. It's extremely oh, really? sticky with mm. all the hop oil, extremely fragrant. Um, yeah. We rubbed our fingers on it, and I think two hours later, you still have this amazing no yeah. hop aroma. Uh, on, it's good stuff. On your yeah. hands, yeah. Um, so and uh, the beer gods, uh, what is this god? Well... Oxo Vincent Mon- picked this one for a change. Yeah, indeed. He Vincent, Vincent said, "I wanna, I wanna paint a uh, uh, South American uh, god." Uh, so Aztec, right? Right. Yeah. And uh, we 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 obviously looked into the Aztec gods, but we couldn't find a single one that is remotely pronounceable. Oh really? Because <laughs> yeah, it's so got to go on a bit. Yeah, 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 the, the, the yeah. most famous one being Quetzalcoatl or Quetzalcoatl. something. And uh, that's not something you can just order three beers yeah. on a loud night in a pub. No, no, no. Of people would hate us. We we of uh, at beer festivals. You know, we never really correct people because we usually meet, know what they mean. But um, yeah, our names get butchered a lot. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's some of the more funny versions of the uh, pronunciation? So for Shakti, people say like Shaki, 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 which is like a, the most Amsterdam name. And then we have a beer called Chak, and then people also say like. Shock. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Osiris. People say like Osirisis. Mm-hmm. Or they just add, they, add extra letters they, to yeah, it. Yeah, they start giggling. They make it more complex than it is. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, I mean, sometimes they don't get past the first syllable and we just try to serve them as quickly as possible. Yeah. Not make it more they, awkward. Sometimes they'll just say the beer style. Yeah. So just to avoid having to go through that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> People get nervous at a beer festival. Like, oh, I want that beer. The, yeah. the, fifth, the second one on the list. Uh. <laughs> I have one uh, short uh, South American god named Tlaloc. I think that's the god of rain in Mayan mythology. Tlaloc. Tlaloc. We had, we, well, we had Chak, which... Also, also from the, rain, but maybe it's a different spelling. You also, with many gods, ah, their be, name yeah. can be written. Change for language, right? Yeah. yeah. So, so because yeah, the other gods are really complex. Huitzilo huh? yeah. mm. or something like this. It's hard yeah. to pronounce. Yeah. But uh, Oxomoka is the goddess of night, stars, planets, and uh, the calendar. Mm. Yeah. We're going to take a quick break from our conversation with Paul and Art to call Milan Groot. Milan is a chef and new colleague of mine. I was keen to get to know Milan, so I thought the best way was to check out what's in her fridge. So, let's give her a call. Hello. Hello, is that Milan? Hey, yeah, hello. (laughs) Hi, how are you doing? You okay? I'm super, thank you very much. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. I'm very good. Listen, I've called you to uh, try and find out what's in your fridge. Right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> can you can you tell me uh, what's in your fridge? Yeah, I've been sitting right next to it. Uh, <laughs> Great. <laughs> got a couple of bottles here in the bottom. Um, apple cider. A friend of mine made it. Ah, okay. 
Ik maak ze naar Amsterdam en ja, soms is het wel taking appels en dan maak ze cider met een Portugese vriend. Ah, nice. So, me. Is that like commercially available or is it? Uh, no, no, just, just, I got a lot of hobbyist friends and a lot of them, uh, I have a lot of their stuff in my fridge as well. <laughs> it sounds like you've got great friends. Yeah, no, definitely. We keep each other alive and, and uh, drunk. <laughs> cool, yeah. Next to that, I have like a bottle of wine that's been open for too long, I suppose. My homemade other flower syrup. I made like a, a month ago or something like that. Nice. And I uh, was picking and ended up with 11 liters of elderflower syrup. <laughs> That's quite a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> First time I tried making it, and I was like, I don't know how much I need. And I ended up, I think fuck, I had enough bottles. But uh, yeah, I've been trying to get rid of it ever so long. Yeah. So I've been uh, giving it to neighbors, giving it to friends, uh, doing a lot of cooking with it, of course. But I still have a lot left. So that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nice. What else? Yeah. I have a very tiny fridge. You know, I live in Amsterdam apartment, so obviously I kind of have more space than just a tabletop uh, fridge. So for me, it's always a bit like fitting. I can't have more than three bottles at the time of anything in my fridge. So, uh, like, as a chef, I always expect a chef to have a fridge full of goody and exciting kind of things. Is that a misconception, or is it always full of exciting produce? Well, today, definitely. <laughs> Yesterday, I uh, was baking some pies, like little carts with fruits from my own garden. Yeah. So I have a lot of that left right now. It's uh, little carts made with uh, goat cheese mousse, yeah. sweet goat cheese mousse and caramelized plums. Anyways, what else? I got four, five, six different types of homemade hot sauces. Oh, nice. Yeah. Are they fermented hot sauces or uh, how are you making your hot sauce? Yeah, I ferment them. Two of them are mine. Uh, one of them is uh, jalapenos and the other one is just red chili. Oh, nice. Uh, habanero. So I fermented them for about a month and then I pureed them. One of them is super nice. It's almost finished. Uh, I gave it away to a lot of friends. And then I have a couple of other ones made by friends of mine. So we sort of share and give each other samples of our hot sauces. Okay. Yeah, there's this whole uh, group of artists in Amsterdam who all sort of have this obsession with making their own hot sauces. So once upon a time, they all come together and they share it. And each other taste how hot their hot sauces are, which is pretty nice. Sounds great, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Secret uh, hot sauce society. Just to bring it back to drink a little bit, yeah. do you have a preference when drinking at home? Is it wine that you would buy more or beer or spirits? Um, I think, yeah, mostly wine and beers. Oh, nice. Definitely. It's usually something more casual, like I work a lot late at night, so when you come home, you don't really want to start with drinking a spirit or something like that. Right. Okay. Something nice and, and what sort of flavors do you like when you drink? Is it more like sour flavors or bitter, fresh? Sour. Sour, sour. for sure. Nice. Sour, yeah, definitely. Like a good sour beer is my, my favorite to go, <laughs> to go place. Cool. Do you have a go-to sour beer that you would always buy? Yeah, I do like just a normal cake. I remember like in Antwerp, I always go for the cake they have all, uh, on the bar, just like that. It's perfect, super cheap. Good old geuze, stuff like that. Yeah, no. I don't know, I always try to ch- change it up a bit. I used to have a friend who was really into sour beers, so we just have uh, beer tastings all the time. He would bring over the beers, tell them what they were, were going to taste like, describe sort of the sourness levels, the depth of things, and then I would try to find cheeses that would fit to it. We do this whole sour and beer and cheese pairing sort of thing. It was fantastic. Yeah, it sounds fantastic. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. <laughs> great. 
Yeah, the sour beers are way, way better suited to uh, pairings with food. Yeah, for sure. I love polyamoly as well. It's like really one of my favorites. So nice. 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 I got to work with it soon. Yeah, yeah. You've already got the job. You don't need to. You don't need to tell me how much. You no. Like it. <laughs> I can actually be excited about this. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> Thanks for chatting with me. I'll see you in real life very soon. I hope. Sure. Cool. cool. All right. Best of luck with your day. Bye, Milan. Yeah, you too. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Ciao. A very special thank you to Milan. If you're in Amsterdam, you can find Milan cooking up something good at our new spot in the east of Amsterdam, the Bad House on Jarvplein. Hopefully see you all there for a beer. You can get in contact with me to talk about your fridge via the address radio at udipus.com. But for now, let's get back into it with Art, Paul and Victor. To move it past the the gods a little bit and back to the beer, back on Rios. We, we a lot of the a lot of the uh, people that we've had on the show have been kind of makers and kind of um, yeah, they kind of create create certain things. And I want to talk about you kind of as a brewer or as a creator of beer a little bit. Would you say that you have a certain profile when it comes to your beer making, focusing on maybe more hop forward beers? So, what are your some of your favorite beer styles to make as well? Yeah, so we brew a lot of. India pale ales, yeah. IPAs. Uh, you know, like Loki is, is our most popular beer, so it's it's the beer we brew all the time because yeah. uh, bars serve it on draft and people want to buy cans. Um, so we brew a lot of IPA, but yeah, we also brew a lot of other things, but mainly they're in smaller batches. So if we brew a stout, it's just a thousand liters. Mm-hmm. It's enough uh for two months or something and um so we do some imperial styles we do some the the barrel aged uh program uh which all will be released uh autumn and winter uh we do the saison the osiris courage um and we like to brew a lager sometimes so we've got the apollo Primarily uh, for the tap room to have uh, like a basic drinker, thirst quenching uh, uh, beer, but we also um, sell it on cans. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we're kind of an IPA brewery that does other stuff. Yeah, but that's our bread and butter, I think. Yeah, yeah, those are the beers that keep the lights on. They <laughs> okay, like okay. to say in the the industry. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and how do how do your new beer ideas come about? Is it via the god or is it via the flavor? Yeah, so one thing is I've got these dreams. <laughs> oh, yeah, let's talk about them. <laughs> and, uh, well, not not too much. It's private. But uh, yeah, like somehow this god connects to me and gives me this assignment. So that that's one part of it. The other part of it, it is getting beers from the beer coning and Sterk and uh, other tap rooms, breweries. Taste them, um, usually with my colleagues, and um, say stuff like, hmm, that's interesting to brew, or ah, we could do something similar, but without this or that, or... Or like you taste four beers and the four beers together in, inspire you for like oh the next beer 
we're gonna try that hop or uh, I don't know if 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 I taste four IPAs with a uh, with a new hop mm-hmm. variety that I didn't know and I'm uh, pleasantly surprised by all those four beer uh, mm-hmm. beers. I'm gonna try to uh, buy those hops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, which so is hard after uh, sometimes. So. Oh, it's quite a nice way of doing it. I think is like you're still paying very much attention to what's going on in the beer scene and like, yeah, I would, it's more of a home brewer's mentality a bit, right? I, I don't know, yeah. like seeing uh, what's available on the market and experimenting that way. The other side of the process is that you brew a beer and um, you you either think like, okay, it's that's really nice new beer, but next time we'll do something similar with uh with one uh parameter different so maybe different hops or maybe different malt bill mm-hmm. or higher abv or lower abv you know so sometimes uh yeah like one beer leads to the other beer mm-hmm. because you've brewed maybe a small stout and then you think next time i'll i'll use kind of the same recipe but boost it up to nine percent mm-hmm. abv or something and, uh, see how that turns out and then so yeah the one beer leads to another um, and in the meantime we drink other people's beer and get surprised by those mm. and then we um we also do the elixir series which where we try to change one or two parameters in between batches and just see how that turns yeah. out and it uh, okay yeah. yeah so the elixir just trying to think about that into elixir is a an ever-changing potion a little bit right is that is that what yeah, it's, it's like meant a to magic be? potion yeah and uh we we always brew one batch of it so it's a single release and then two months later we brew uh the next version so mm-hmm. at this point we're at seven mm-hmm. so we've done seven releases of the same concept We'll do some more. One of the few nice. beers that's not named after a god as well. Yeah, it is. It is. So much still work fits to... in the, yeah, in the a, overall concept. Magical, it's what I'm kind uh, of yeah. finding fascinating yeah. as we talk is it is uh, there are lots of parallels and I think it's really interesting. It's a bit of the Ambrosia or Ambrosine yeah. uh, thematic. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a term you see a lot in fantasy, in like role-playing games. Like Asterix. You find yeah, you find uh, you find a dusty bottle with some magic potion and the elixir, and it uh, heals your wounds or it inspires you for more courage or that mm. kind of thing. Yeah, that's the your mana potion. Mana, yeah, mana, yeah. yeah. That we could have we could have called it mana. Mana, indeed. Yeah, you could. Oh, this now now we are opening another door. I think let's go back to the interview with Amy. Yeah. So, uh, what what would you say some of the next steps are for Walhalla? Is it to become more of a production based brewery, if you would call it that? What's a production based brewery? I don't know. Where you where you do a lot of uh, supplying, outsourcing, and, and not not outsourcing any production. Sorry, but uh, then have big suppliers that get your beer. I don't know nationally and around the world. Let's oh, say bigger, bigger, bigger distribution. Bigger distribution ah, yeah. Because mm. you spoke about your goal being being the uh, one of the top uh, brewers in the country. Would that necessarily mean growth? And no, no, no. So w- we are growing mm-hmm. because the, we just ordered some extra fermentation tanks to brew more beer here in Amsterdam. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're growing like 
slowly, organically, um, and um, you know, I'm I'm like, uh, I don't like to imagine having a staff of forty, fifty, sixty people. Mm -hmm. I would get crazy, you know, like managing managing that. Uh, you know, I, I I would only be probably only be managing people and not doing stuff myself and um i don't know i think things would be really like going from a, a one person business to a four person four person business what we're now was already a major step for me like uh being responsible for people's uh you know money to pay their bills and stuff and um um yeah the whole money side of running uh, a business larger than just me myself um so yeah i think we're gonna grow but not very rapidly and and, uh, and mm. big so when i when i say i want to be like uh, on top on people's top 10 list of favorite breweries i'm talking about um, the quality of the beer mm -hmm. the expressive side of the beer like the, um and not not about that uh millions of people are drinking mm. and it's also it's it's a pretty crowded landscape at the moment it's with sure. the number of breweries that have started uh, in the last five years or so and yeah there it's still pretty uncertain times as well so i think a good time to take it a little slow and then uh yeah just play to your strengths and really uh yeah for sure you know it's it's really nice to see um also when the lockdown started that in the few years since we've moved i really feel like we we have built up a bit of a community that uh is just really into what we're doing and, and was willing to support us through uh, through this crazy time uh, yeah yeah which yeah it was quite special right how everyone uh did actually support local and yeah. came out there and, yeah, yeah and for sure do you do you expect a craft beer ragnarok at some point <laughs> 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 do we need to explain what ragnarok is i, put, I think do. you should it's yes family, yeah. it's the end of the, the end times well, right the end of valhalla for sure <laughs> 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 that's that's what all the people are assembled for in valhalla yeah it's kind of when the sort of the demons take over and kill the gods right yeah well yeah so loki's gonna survive he's he scheming does, right? he with kills uh, Heimdall. he's scheming with uh, the demons yeah it's uh, uh well it's the, it's the viking end times right so mm -hmm. uh odin has his drinking hall of valhalla where he assembles the greatest of warriors who have died courageously in battle um and then when ragnarok comes he kind of takes this army he's assembled to stave off the end days but i'm pretty sure those end days come nevertheless um so odin more or less loses in the end back to craft beer landscape yeah um we'll we'll just revert back to uh industrially brewed lagers yeah there's, there's perfect circularity during this conversation <laughs> <laughs> jumps jumps to the fake uh so, so the, to the mythical world and then jumps back to amsterdam north <laughs> yeah and then and then you know people five years from now people will be drinking a lager and saying remember we used to drink quadruple berry sour <laughs> <laughs> those were the days yeah, yeah. no but 
you know, I, I got into this business, it is a business, uh, since 2013. And that those were the days that a lot of young guys uh, started. There was this whole new kind of movement. So a lot of the, the new breweries we know started back then. And um, every year, there, like every month, you, you heard about a new brewery starting up close to you or a bit further away. And that has stopped. So last year, I don't think the number of breweries really grew a lot. So I think... Um, really good thing that's happening is that uh, people that started contract brewing start their own brewery like we did and two chefs did and other push did um frontaal is a good example van de streek so um i really welcome that um seeing people brew really brew beer and not mm -hmm. just being uh only having fancy labels you know we talk about labels a lot but they're important but the beer is first mm -hmm. and Definitely. i think there's some uh some beer brands out there that they call themselves breweries but they're just beer brands they have a nice logo nice marketing but they don't brew beer and they never want to brew beer uh, so for me that feels lazy and like uh thing that disingenuous I, I, maybe yeah and a, a thing i don't uh care about for the future but i i really care about the people that um invested in a brewery started their own thing and i hope they're they're all gonna like the best of them are all gonna survive for the next 10 years mm. Now, talking about that kind of uh, craft beer landscape and just going back a bit to like kind of growth, um, there is a lot of change and movement within the craft beer scene and you will have seen a lot of your peers get swallowed up like kind of we were and sold the minority stake to Heineken as people grow. Um, as they you could call it like a big beer category, but you're still fully independent. It sounds like something that is a, a big part of what you do as well, staying independent. How do you view that kind of shift within craft beer? um yeah we are really we're proud of being small and owning the business ourselves so um i own 90 percent of the shares and paul owns uh 10 percent of the shares um, um so that's really transparent for us you know like it's really clear uh what we are who owns us um yeah, from my perspective, I'm really proud to be that. I'm proud to be small, like I don't need to be uh, much bigger than this. Um, yeah, there haven't been a lot of breweries in Holland that have been like bought by Big Beer. Mm. Not mm. so much, but but there's, right, in, there's, the, in, there's the, the, in the international yeah, scope, a the, lot of breweries yeah, do the when they grow. Town yeah. thing yeah. and. Uh, Goose Island and um, well, quite I mean, some quite some examples. I think at out. some point you will simply run into possibly a ceiling of what's possible and remaining fully independent. I mean, you if you want to grow, yeah. yeah. If 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 yeah, if absolute that's... growth is one of your goals, then I think uh, at some point you're going to need 
you know, a significant partnership or some kind of infusion yeah. uh, of financial means to really make that next step. Um, and that's that's kind of like an existential question, I think, that each brewery needs to make up their mind on mm-hmm. where they want to go. Yeah, so a lot of times when... It's always a big thing, like a big uh, social media thing, like when a brewery announces like, hey, we've sold our shares or the whole brewery to Heineken or ABMBF, usually one of those two. Uh, and they there's, there's this press release with some quotes and some reasons why. Yeah, justifying. And, and yeah. I, I'm always reading them like, yeah, I'm not... I'm not convinced. So I think that's being said a lot at those moments is like, we need this big money, big partner to grow. Mm-hmm. Then I think, do you, but why do you need to grow? Mm-hmm. Couldn't you survive? Like, would you go bankrupt if you don't grow? Like there's this te- theory, like you only survive if you go forward, like grow. Mm-hmm. Couldn't you be stable at the, the the point you already reached? You know, like a, a really nice point for most of those breweries. Like they're they're not tiny. Like they've done their thing. They've showed what they can do. So it's this this reason. Like yeah, we need their money to grow further. I'm not convinced because I think why do you need to grow? So I'm I'm not never hear like why is growing so important at that stage but i don't know that's uh that's almost a question of macro economics right is mm. growth always its own justifiable cause yeah. or, or it, can you reach a point where everyone can have a good salary and and mm. benefits and make the beers they want to brew exactly and exactly and can, you, can you make what you want to make without compromises yeah. i think that to me, that sounds like the ideal, ideal way to be. Definitely, yeah. yeah. It reminds me of uh, what the guys from Butcher's Tears were saying a bit. It's more about like kind of like self placement, where you kind of put yourself within that world, whether you want to be uh, a modern craft brewery or, or it's more in that way because they were just like, yeah, we don't put ourselves with kind of them. We we do our own thing and we focus on the beer. Let's say. Yeah. So in order to wrap this up, I think. Conceptually, you're staying polytheist. You're not becoming monotheist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you're sticking with your gods, many gods. Yeah. You're not turning into towards one, technically. Yeah. So, Paul, I uh, I have a question for you because you are you have a close relationship with the home brewers here in Amsterdam. Is is that how is that seen in Amsterdam? Is it still alive and going strong? Um, it is in the virtual realm. Uh, we haven't met, <laughs> we haven't met up physically now since uh, since March. Yeah. Um, but it's really nice to see that uh, you know people are keeping each other posted on the brews they're doing, yeah. and uh, we you know we we have a Google group that's quite active, so people can always ask for for input on on. Mm. Almost anything, also outside the realm of brewing at this stage. Mm. Um, but I was I was really pleasantly surprised coming from Oslo. I was in a, a home brewing group uh, with a bunch of guys, and we all kind of started brewing, like I said, because the beer was too expensive. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's massively po- it's it's almost a mainstream hobby, I would say, in Norway to make your own beer. Um, and then here in Amsterdam, uh, this home brewing group got together at Fooders. 
yeah. uh, not long after I moved back. And it was really nice. It was a far more international uh, group than I had back in Oslo and, and also a bit more diverse. There were actually a few women in the group, which was refreshing to see. Definitely, yeah. And um, yeah, it's it's just been really nice. We've been setting challenges. So every once in a while, we'll do either a creative challenge or we'll do a style challenge. Um, and we, we did a cloning challenge. We tried to brew Monolifta, actually. And then Sander, oh, yeah? Sander came to judge no the beer. Uh, mine, uh, my bottles, some of them had exploded before they <laughs> even made it to be tasty. Yeah. So that, uh, <laughs> yeah, mine, ruined your chances. mine was like a brute, <laughs> brute version of, uh, of, of that beer, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, it's been really nice to see the group grow and and quite a few of them were represented at the homebrewers festival that we yeah of course both hosted yeah. together um uh last year was it yeah 2019 spring, yeah. i think yeah um so i i definitely think we'll we'll continue once you know things are safe again and then back to normal whenever that may be um because one of your i imagine one of the best things of a homebrew group is that you get to taste each other's brews and critique it or taking inspiration from taking each inspiration other like yeah. hey what kind of yeast did you use for this one or um... yeah and and uh, something that's really interesting about it is that homebrewing allows you to play with some variables that are much trickier to do in a in a production brewery setting so you can easily split batches dry hop with one hop or the other do mm. something with your yeast um, so yeah, you, you get to kind of play around with beer that's different from what you'll experience from the beers you buy in the shop. Mm. Um, and also it's extremely educational to drink beers that are not quite perfect. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. it actually really makes you respect, you know, the professionals that manage to basically brew at least a clean beer time after time after time. Yeah. And, uh, spot on. Yeah, it's uh so now it's and it's it's always an extremely welcoming community. So every, you know, literally everyone, anyone can come with anything. It doesn't even have to be beer mm. um, to share, and and you know, everyone's always really constructive, and, and that's really nice to experience. Yeah, it's great. I'll have to uh, talk to you after the show, get some notes because I'm thinking about getting into doing some home brewing myself. Mm. You don't my even need to bring beer. We usually have too much anyway. So. Oh, great! All yeah. right, well, I'll come down. I'll but come you're down. you're brewing at home, right? No, no, I don't. I don't brew at home. I don't make oh. any beer. But it's since doing on this process that I'm like, I really want to get into it because I'm learning more and more. And then we've had three or four different conversations about home brewing. I've watched loads of videos now about home brewing as research, and I'm like, That's it doesn't seem that parts. easy. And I really like what we've talked about. Uh, what Paul mentioned is like, I'm I'm a bit of a cheapskate, so having be, having beer <laughs> that I've made myself that I can drink it sounds great. Oh, um, I've, got, I've got bad news for you. Home brewing is not cheap. In oh, the Netherlands, yeah, yeah. at first you buy the all the equipment. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, uh, I've looked into that. It over sounds time difficult. It's cheap, sort yeah. of maybe. But oh well, guys, this brought me to the end of the questions. So thank you very much for being so uh, polite and answering my questions. But we're not at the end of the show. So you're looking yeah. at the leaderboard. Yeah. <laughs> We've got the quiz. Mm. 
Let's do now, the, quiz, the quiz, yes. The quiz, Victor's very happy about it and it very much fits uh, what we've spoken about today. You don't answer right, uh, you're one step away from uh, Valhalla. Yeah, we, we, are, we, know you're Valhalla. A, we know you're a keen <laughs> historian and mythology buff, so there's a quiz to test your knowledge here about oh, mythology. Oh, damn. <laughs> there we go. Uh, so here we the go. The great unmasking. Can we Google? Can, uh, we, no, can we look up? No, 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 you you're, already at, you're already at an advantage because there's two of you, so I will allow yeah. a bit of conferring. Uh, but here we go. So, yeah. Athena, the Greek goddess and guardian of Athens, gave what gift to the city in order to win the title of guardian? Come on, radio Democracy. Okay. Democracy. Okay, incorrect. So the gift was an olive tree, which then gave food, oil, and wood to the people. All right. Coming up, olive oil. Ale. Yeah. Olive ale. <laughs> olive ale. <laughs> Next on the Valhalla menu. Yeah. So in North, in question number two, in Norse mythology, who is the god of knowledge, wisdom, battle, war, magic, and medicine? Isn't it just Odin? <laughs> Got to think about wisdom. like how... he's, the, he's the god of wisdom. Odin is the god of wisdom. I mean, yeah. he, drank from, he drank from the pool of. Tries to eliminate a bad. Uh, what to say? Like, he gave his eye for to drink for the Odin. Am I gonna get an answer from you guys? Odin. Oh, it's correct. It's Odin. Oh yes. Yes. Well Woo! done. <laughs> Teamwork. Let's go. So, uh, who? Question number three. Who is the Greek god of war? Uh, Aris. Aris is correct. Question, question number four. In Roman mythology, Juno is the wife of who? Jupiter. Correct. It is Jupiter. And uh, question number five. Which Greek god saved the city of Crete by seizing a raging bull by its horns? Seizing? seizing what does seizing mean? I grabbing, uh. This is where the phrase... Grabbing the bull by the horns comes from, oh. which is a famous English phrase. Let's say Apollo. Apollo. That would be incorrect. Ah. It's Heracles or Hercules. Mm. Is he a god? Yeah, yeah. I'm Danny, afraid Danny is a demigod. He's, he's a demigod. A he's, a he's not hero. a god. He's, he's half human. Half but in, in... Oh, okay. Sorry, I framed the question wrong. But with, I should have said within Greek mythology, because uh, he's still a character within it, right? Sure. True. Sure. Yeah. yeah. True. He, is, he is, but he's not a god himself. He's actually demi, demigod, demigod. Demi point? Yeah, but in the in the storyline of of it all, you know. All right, I did, sorry, Victor, I'm getting criticised on there on this. So, okay, uh, how many sisters did Medusa have? The Gorgons. They were, I think, uh, I think she was one of three, three Gorgons. Things. One of seven, but seven. Oh, yeah. Somewhere in between. Three. <laughs> no, <laughs> either one. Three, three or the, four is the my, seven uh, hops. So two, yeah. two sisters. Two sisters. Yeah, I think there was. Is that your final answer? Three. Correct. Two sisters. Well done, Paul. Oh, that was very good. Good stuff. True or false? Zeus would transform into animals in order to seduce women. True. Absolutely true. true. He's a, a bad guy. He was a bad guy. Yeah. <laughs> what a bad guy. He was a god. Yeah, he was a god. He used what powers he had. It's, many people do that on weekends. You know, they transform into animals. Yeah. Seduce others. Yeah. You mean yeah. furries? Not, not only guys. Yeah, people shift personalities oh, to cool. seduce each other. Some yeah. makeup. Yeah. Some gel, some fancy clothes. <laughs> 
the next question is in Norse mythology, who is the god of mischief, guile, cunning, and trickery? Well, okay. well uh, it was a bit of an easy question, right? That's a yeah. bit of a valid yeah, it's correct. It's correct. It's correct. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's correct. It's correct. No trickery here. No trickery. <laughs> no. <laughs> so in Egyptian mythology, who is the lord of the underworld and judge of the dead? Oh, sorry. No? Yeah, no? Or not? No, right? no, no. I think you're right. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Oh, sorry. Right. Yeah. Or is it. S- well, yeah, he's Seth? mainly. Osiris so, does the thing like traveling between the. Yeah, he's like the middle ground between the afterlife. Yeah, yeah. so it's the other guy. Seth? Seth? Yeah, it's not Osiris. No, he's I'm more sure. like in between, like. I'm going to have to take an answer, guys. So it's uh, all interpretation. Here. Then he's tricking me with his eyes. Like, <laughs> no. I, I say yeah. this thing and he looks at me like, oh, really are you really doing... sure? It's probably wrong. And then um, I doubt myself. No, I, okay, so I'm quite a pop quiz fanatic. And I do stand by the theory that the first hunch is usually the correct answer. So, And that answer would be, Paul? Osiris. And it's correct. Well done. Oh. Well, you tried to trick me with your eyes, man. <laughs> no, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I re- yeah, no, the, I really like that there's low scores you. on here. He almost you guys, the other guy yeah. was the one who eats the heart, right? Seth? Seth, yeah. yeah Isn't possibly. the one who eats the heart of the people waiting to enter the afterlife? That's disgusting, man. Uh, so the last question we have, uh, who is the Greek god of intoxicating drinks like wine and beer? And beer. Uh, also, just no. intoxicating drinks. Uh, Dionysus is the Roman. Yeah, so then, Bacchus. would it be Bacchus? Bacchus. 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 It's Bacchus. Dionysus. Oh yeah, yeah. you introverted. Oh. Bacchus is Roman. Bacchus is Roman. Incorrect. Yeah, but that's mythology. You know? mm. There's never a really clear line between uh, wow, worlds. All right, because of the question about Hercules, which why I... Do, why do they get an extra point for that, though? We can do half an extra point. Okay, so we, 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 we do, do have that, that, All right, so, so we half a point. So that would make one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven point five, then. That's pretty good, right? Oh, that's well, second. If, if, if we only need to sit underneath Rick Kemper, I'm, I can five. go home with my head held high. But yeah, you're in uh, second from top, guys. That's pretty good going. I would, uh, I would be. Ooh. Congratulations to I, you I guys. I feel comfortable there between Matthias and Rick. Yeah, definitely good. Definitely yeah. good. I mean, like if it was up to me, it would be seven. But you know, Victor's a nice guy. Yeah. <laughs> but well, I think mind I think you, fair, Rick yeah, had a perfect good. score, didn't he? Oh my! Uh, Disappointingly yeah. perfect. It was. I was shocked. I was a bit, uh, yeah, speechless at the end of that, that was show. Untapped quiz, right? Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, Rick yeah, I'll is have to probably go. a god himself. It made me review what I was doing altogether there. But let's let's uh, cap it off by just saying thank you very much, guys. It's been a pleasure thanks to a drink a beer with you, ask you some questions, and quiz you about mythology. So thanks for joining us. See you again thanks soon. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Cheers. Very enjoyable. Cheers. Cheers, guys. Thank you. Cheers. Nice one. And that's it for another episode of the Radio Oedipus podcast. A very special thanks for tuning in. was a pleasure chatting to Paul, Art and, of course, Victor. Make sure to drop by the Valhalla Tap Room for some tasty beers. They're doing some small jazz events at the moment and also have plenty of new beers, so good reason to head down. 
You can find all episodes of the show on our website, oodipus.com forward slash radio, and by searching Radio Oodipus on your podcast app. If you use Spotify or Apple Podcasts, make sure you like and subscribe to keep up to date. The music on today's show is written and composed by Ola iMusic, and tune in next time for more explorations into the culture of beer.